Chapter 27 of The Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mad Guinea Pig. The Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island by Herbert Carter. Chapter 27. Taken unawares, after all. As there was no longer any necessity for their depending upon the shelter of the projecting ledge, since the sun was shining cheerily, the scouts set about changing camp. This did not take any great while, because they had no tents to bother with, and it was easy enough to gather up their blankets and the few things they had saved from the wreck of the Chippeway Bell. As none of them ever saw the first sign of that ill-fated boat again, it was always taken for granted that when the wind shifted in the night, at the time Thad drew attention to the fact, the strain became so great that the anchor cable had to give way, allowing the still-floating boat to be carried out into deep water before the end came. They found the anchor where it had been placed, with the rope broken part way out, and this told the story as well as words could have. And so camp was made close by the boat belonging to the fish poachers, which it must be their duty to guard, so that later on they could make use of the same in order to escape from the island. The waves did not go down as rapidly as the boys would have liked, and when high noon came they were still rolling along in a way that was dangerous to any small craft, especially on such a great inland sea as Superior is, with harbors few and far between. Fat admitted that the chances of their getting away that day did not look good to him. Giraffe was the only real cheerful fellow in the party, and as he superintended the cooking of the delish, delicious white fish for lunch, he was heard to express his opinion several times. Well, one thing good about it is that there's enough fish on the ice down in that well to last us till Christmas, and it's to be hoped that somebody with a boat comes along before then to take us off, or we can get this chunky craft off the poachers to working some. But let me tell you, that same fish does smell grand to me, Needn't make a face, Bumpus, because you think you'll never eat fish again. It's either that or go hungry with this crowd. But the white fish, like all other delicate fish, is only at its best when eaten on the spot where it's caught, Thad told them. Putting it on ice for days hurts the flavor, and sometimes it's just as tasteless as so much sawdust. Then this one was fresh caught, Giraffe affirmed, as he looked hastily about, took up the last bit that was in the second pan, and asked, Anybody want this? If nobody else does, I'm Johnny on the spot. Well, I declare, I like that, burst out Step Hen. Did you see him swing that pan around, and before a fellow could even open his mouth to say yes, he had that last big piece on his tin dish? Oh, well. Since you've got to be filled up, or you get to growling, go ahead and bolt it. Only look out for bones. If one ever got fastened in that rubber neck of yours, giraffe, nobody's fingers could ever reach it. And as hard luck would have it, I left my fish disgorger at home. Giraffe never minded this sort of talk, for he was making away with the last of the fish with his usual speed. Bones never trouble him at all, remarked Bumpus, who was always telling about dreaming of choking to death on a fishbone. That's where you're wrong, chuckled Step Hen. They trouble him a whole lot, every time he sits down, I reckon, because nature ain't been so kind to our long friend as to you, Bumpus. Joking in this style, they finished their meal, and the afternoon stared them in the face. It promised to be a long stretch, if they had to stay there until another morning. 
Bumpus and Giraffe presently got their lines out, and finding a place nearby where it seemed safe to remain, they started to try and add to their score. Let's call it off, Bumpus, suggested Giraffe, who was getting weary. What's the use of all this bother when we've got a storehouse cram full of fine fresh fish close at hand, so we sure don't need this sort of a job for the sake of filling our stomachs. Anyhow, you can keep it up if you feel like it. I'm dead sleepy after passing such a night, and we ought to get some rest. That's so, echoed Bumpus, just as if he had been on guard every minute of the previous night. And as like as not, we'll have to be keeping one eye open tonight again. Who knows? One, cried Giraffe, looking sharply at him. And then shaking his head, he went on to add, but I said I wasn't a-gonna poke fun at you this whole day, Bumpus, after what you done. Course, you can't help it if you get sleepy any more than I can about being hungry all the time. So, let's call it a draw and quit kidding. What's that smoke over there mean? asked Step Hen a short time later. And even Giraffe, who was trying to get some sleep, sat up hearing this. Hurrah! Maybe it's a rescue boat coming out after us, cried Davy, standing on his hands and kicking his heels in the air, just as the ordinary boy might clap his hands together. What do you say, Thad? asked Giraffe, cautiously, having arisen to his feet and stretched his long neck in the endeavor to see better than his chums. Well, remarked the scoutmaster, after he'd made a mental calculation, you notice, don't you, that it comes from toward the other end of the island? Yes, that's a fact, Thad, slowly admitted Davy, who had now returned to his normal condition, with his head higher than his heels, though some of the boys often declared that the reverse was true, and that he seemed more natural when hanging head downward from the limb of a tree, like a giant bat or a monkey. And there isn't enough of it to make me think a boat could be coming, Thad went on to say. In fact, the chances are those men, as badly frightened as they are, have to eat, and I think they've lighted a fire to cook something. Oh, is that all? grunted Giraffe, immediately dropping back upon his blanket. Please don't wake me up again for such a silly thing as that. Though, of course, I can feel for them if they're really hungry. Acting on the advice of Thad, the other boys managed to get some sleep from time to time, though they were very careful not to let the camp go unguarded. We're going to be kept here on the island another night, seems like, he had told them, and that means a constant watch. So far, we've managed to hold our own, and we can't afford to get careless and lose out. I should say not, Step Hen had echoed, as he cuddled down to carry out the suggestion of the scoutmaster. Along about half an hour before evening set in, an expedition was arranged to pay another friendly visit to the fish preserves of the poachers. They wanted to get enough supplies this time to cover several meals, so that they would be able to feel that they had food for the next day, should they be able to make the start in the morning. Now, Bumpus would much rather have remained behind, but it was a choice between two evils with him. His recollections of the harsh methods by means of which the poachers tried to get him to give up his secret were still fresh in his mind. So was his detestation of that fishy odor that clung to the shack. But Thad would not let him have any choice in the matter, telling him that he must accompany the expedition and carry home his share of the spoils, though Giraffe had promised to again drop down into the pit and send up all they wanted. They met with no adventure on the way, nor were they interrupted in their task of securing a store of fish food for present necessities, and looking into the near future a bit. Giraffe managed his end of the labor manfully. 
He suffered a great deal, he admitted, but then somebody had to get, take on the hard jobs, and as no one else volunteered, he just had to be the goat. Oh, as if we don't know the real reason, Step Hen declared indignantly. If you wasn't so crazy after eating all the time, I guess now you'd be the last one to go down there of your own free will. But that ain't saying we ain't glad of it. Taint often we get a chance to harness that appetite of yours to do something that pays. Now, go on down a few more times, Giraffe. We might toddle along under another fish apiece. Not much I will, grunted the other. Six trips is the limit for anybody with a weak stomach. Weak stomach? What, you? cried Step Hen, scornfully throwing up his hands. The tall scout, however, did not want to be drawn into an argument just then, since that would only delay their departure from the cabin, and all that it spoke of in such a distinct way. He darted in again, however, for a last visit, and vanished down the pit to appear a minute later, holding the largest fish they had as yet run across. "'There, what do you think of that for a Jim dandy, fellas?' he cried. "'And Bumpus, take a good look at him, because I'm bound to hook the mate to this next time we get out our lines. I'm not only a weather prophet, but there are times when I feel it in my bones that something is going to happen.' He tripped just then and took a header, whereupon Bumpus, with pretended sympathy, hurried to his side and offered to help him get up, saying, "'Oh, giraffe, that was the time your bones told you the truth, didn't they? And I reckon your knee joints are skinned some after that tumble, too.' Giraffe may have been suffering all sorts of agonies at the time, but of course he was not going to let the others see him wince. So he smiled sweetly as he once more gained his feet and took up the big fish, saying at the same time, "'Don't mention it. I'm all right, Bumpus.' But they could see him limp more or less as they headed for the camp by the captured motorboat of the fish poachers. Of course, when they went off like this, they made sure to carry the crank belonging to the engine along with them, so that even if the enemy did enter the camp during their absence, they could not run away with the craft, which, on account of the make of motor, was practically helpless as soon as the crank was gone. Here we are. Right side up with care, plenty of grub, and no damage done except that we've decreased the stock of fish supplies the poachers have laid by, Step Hen was heard to declare. And though Giraffe gave him a pained look and unconsciously rubbed his injured knee, he did not make any remark to the contrary. And when it came time to get supper ready, he was apparently just as able to move around as ever, barring a slight limp. Of course, they kept close watch all the while, not wishing to be taken by surprise should the enemy muster up enough courage to attempt some desperate trick, possibly looking to making the scouts prisoners so that they could once more secure the valuable crank and go away on board their boat. Thad himself had managed to secure some rest during the day, because he knew that another hard night awaited them. As on the previous occasion, he told the others they could sit up if they chose, and keep both he and Alan company, and just as had happened before, all of them tried hard to accommodate, but before one hour passed, poor Bumpus had fallen by the wayside, and then soon afterward Davy, Giraffe, and Step Hen all found themselves unable to hold out. Since they had really undergone considerable in the way of privation and excitement of late, Thad did not have the heart to blame them. He believed that, with the one faithful chum alongside, he could take as good care of the camp as though the whole six were on duty. The time dragged along until it must have been close on midnight, and so far nothing out of the way had happened, though the sentries did not relax their vigilance on that account, for they were too good woodsmen to think of that. 
As the boat had been secured with all of the available ropes, and a part of the engine dismantled in the bargain, neither of the scouts dreamed that the enemy would aim to strike a blow at them in that quarter. They could not carry the boat off, and even granting that this were possible, it would be useless, since they had no means for running the same. Still, an hour, another hour crept along, and Thad was just beginning to congratulate himself on the way the night was passing, when without the least warning, there came a sudden flash of light down in the rocky berth where the boat lay, immediately succeeded by a deafening crash. Up into the air arose burning fragments of the poacher's boat, and this was the startling spectacle that greeted the astonished eyes of the silver fox scouts who had been sweetly sleeping as they sat up and stared around them. End of chapter 27